everybody. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. So, happy Thursday, Scott. How you doing? Overall, pretty good. Uh, I didn't really do anything on Thursday. I was writing some articles, but I had one game, which I had money on. Woke up, game was postponed, went back to bed. Nice. Uh, it's a gambler's life, isn't it? Yep. Well, that's good. Good to hear. Mine uh, Mine went okay. Kind of had a, uh, a late one get away from us, but overall uh, a profitable day. So we will, we will take that. And quick reminder, everybody, we've got a great show planned for you. Of course, as we always do, we're going to be talking a little MLB naturally. We're going to be taking a look at the playoff races, the games today. Going to be delving into the futures and who has a future and who doesn't when it comes to postseason awards. Of course, we'll also talk a little NFL Thursday night football and even maybe sneak in a little college talk there, Scott. No big whoop, just college talk. Got a uh, interesting college game that we want to talk about, and uh, I know you're I know you're excited for college ball, and it's. You know, it's one of those times, would you rather watch the college game or the NFL game that's on tonight, Scott? It's really a tough call because the usually you pick the college game because the NFL primetime games have been awful on Thursdays and really just most primetime games have been terrible for the last couple of years. They've been really good this year. Yeah, I think. We're- so I feel like I'm kind of gravitating towards the NFL. I'll tell you what, if they keep that string, haven't we, we've had one bad game, right? Uh, I know we had the Bears-Rams game. I think that was pretty much it. I'm trying to think of another. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's been the only clunker. I forgot about the, I forgot about the Bears-Rams. So, yep. Absolutely. Only, oh, the Packers game, I wouldn't say it was a clunker, but it wasn't great. Now, true. But I, I will be surprised if this turns out to be a uh, nip and tuck great ball game like we've seen in the past. I think it's going to be hideous, but that's a separate story. <laughs> well, and it's a story that we're going to get to a little bit later as we talk about that game. And yeah, it's just it's just one of the, it's one of those shows. I'm excited we got a lot to talk about coming down the home stretch here in baseball, man. You walk outside, you feel a little fall chill in the air. You a big fall fan, Scott? You like fall? Uh yeah, autumn leaves, all that stuff, whatever. <laughs> Is that, is that a good way to put it? What a ro- yeah, you're just a you're just a romantic at heart, aren't you? Halloween right around the corner, something about pumpkin spice lattes all over the place. Well, yeah, good time. Are you a pumpkin spice guy? I'm not a coffee guy, so I don't really partake in the. Well, but I mean, you like pumpkin pie. Pa- you like pumpkin pie, or you know, I mean, they put pumpkin spice in everything, not just coffee. I think pumpkin's okay. It's a little bit sweet for me, but I think it's pretty good. Well, actually, real pumpkin is not sweet. It's, it's all I know, this, I'm saying whenever they yeah. do whatever they're doing with it, they, they it's got very, very sweet. All that stuff they put, they, uh, they have to, well, they put the pumpkin pie spice in, but it's also, mm-hmm. it's nut, it's mainly like nutmeg and a, they put a butt ton of sugar to get pumpkin anywhere edible. Yeah. If you just open up a can of pumpkin, you're like, oh, I'm going to have some of that delicious pumpkin pie filling. Uh, no, you're not. You're going to have some hideous raw pumpkin. Um, when was the last time you dressed up as Halloween? For as Halloween. Halloween. For Halloween. Uh, college. College. I usually went. I went as because used to do a couple Halloween costume party stuff that you'd end up going for. I don't. I don't know if that was actual Halloween or that was for like the weekend of where they'd have the Halloween. Right. Right. Yeah. Whatever the Saturday night was. Sure. I once wore a costume to class. I was an average Joe from the movie Dodgeball. Had the jersey, the shorts, just walked the class. Was. 
pretty, it was simple. Everyone complimented me on it. It cost about 15 bucks. I used it for about three years straight. Everybody would seen that 15 year old movie at that point. Of course. That's it's a classic. <laughs> you can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. <laughs> All right. And the last time you went trick or treating, how, how old that were you? That I don't think I've ever gone actually. You've, ne- you've never gone trick or, what? It's not a Jewish thing. What? Jewish people don't celebrate Halloween. You don't. Have, you don't have to celebrate it. You just grab a pillowcase, put on a little makeup, and you head to your neighbor, next door neighbor's house and get some Snickers bars. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to sacrifice a goat or anything. You just people showed up at my house to pick up some candy, and we'd give them candy. But no, we, I don't think I ever actually went trick or treating. Oh well, that's a horrible tradition. We believe Stranger in it, danger. We believe in it enough to hand out candy, but we don't believe in it enough to send you out to get some. Well, my family was actually the kind that would leave candy in like a bowl in front of the house, so we'd never actually open the door. <laughs> we're one of those. We're one of those families, but at least we left candy out there. <laughs> we're Rachel's, the antisocial Jews. Da, 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 da. It doesn't have a great ringtone to it or tune to it, <laughs> but that could be a sitcom someday. We'll find out. All right, buddy. Well, that's 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 just so depressing. That is. That's the worst thing I've ever heard, that you never got to go trick-or-treating. I got a hunch that you've heard worse things. <laughs> a little bit of a hunch. You know, that was one of my that was one of my finest moments as a parent, you know, because I had four kids, and we'd, you know, we'd go trick-or-treating, and then they'd come back, and they would horse trade in the middle of the floor. It was the best thing ever. They're like, you know, nine, seven, and five, and they're all in there like, I'll give you, I'll give you two licorice for one Snickers and all this stuff. So yeah, anyway, I'm looking like for a stock market exchange. I'm, right. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to fall. I'm looking forward to you know, the baseball season winding down. Of course, the NFL heating up college football, all that good stuff. But before we get to any of it, Scott, before we get to any of that stuff, let's talk about the bad news. Let's talk about the people that thought they had a winner right up until the time they didn't. Scott, you know who you are. You got ripped off, man. Hey, call the cops, brother. All right, buddy, let's get it rolling as we so often do in the major leagues. If you had the Rangers-Yankees under nine, well, congratulations. Neither one of those teams can score. That should have been an easy cash, and it looked good for you because you had six runs going into the eighth inning. The Yankees, Scott, they upset plans. They upset plans indeed as they scored four runs in the bottom of the eighth, and they go from tied at three to winning 7-3, to three. and that's how your game finished up. If you had the under 9, you'll notice that 10 is one more than 9. Call the cops. And the second one, I think this is the first time we've done this, was on the same game. Nice. It was the Rangers-Yankees' first five under. So if you were on any under in this game, you had a pretty rough time. But the first five under was four and a half, two runs going into the fifth inning. Rangers scored one run in the top of the fifth. Yankees scored two runs in the bottom of the fifth. Three, two after five. That's a pretty tough beat as well. Hooah, I'm just getting started. <laughs> Absolutely mm-hmm. brutal. Let's finish it up with the Blue Jays and the Rays. If you had over nine, it looked like it was going to be one of those days. Scott Bashfest City, seven runs in the first four innings. Can I interest you in one run in the other five as the uh, Rays took it to them? And that game ended up 7-1. to one. If you had over 9, you thought you were golden. And then you became lead. Call the cops. Yep, especially with Toronto's offense being involved and only scoring one run. That's right? going to hurt. Yep, absolutely. I guess 
I guess the Rays just don't have any bad pitchers they can throw out there for garbage time. It's like, they make it up as they go. We here, this is the worst guy we got. You know, he goes out there and spins mm-hmm. ninety seven and strikes out the side, whatever. All right, buddy. The opposite, of course, of the uh, of call the cops is called the rocking chair. No, these are the nice, easy wins, the ones you didn't have to sweat one single bit. Of course, you were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was between the Twins and the Cubs, and the total in that game was six and a half, which means that you better be getting sixty mile per hour winds blowing directly in. Either way. Six and a half was way too low. Four runs in the first two innings. Game ended five to four. So if you just blindly saw the Twins and Cubs in a total of six and a half and realized it wasn't a doubleheader game, you probably blindly bet the over. And you were right, because that game went pretty well over the total. Uh, the sh- the schmoes. The schmoes took it to the pros, Scott. Bad, bad day for the home team there, because, yeah, the, the wind was blowing in. About 25 miles an hour from the north. But, you know, you and I talked about that. Sometimes that's an overreaction. You get that at Wrigley Field a lot. You go, well, the wind's blowing in. They're not going to hit home runs. But, man, when that wind starts whistling around Wrigley Field, every foul pop, every fly ball, it is an adventure. So you certainly have the opportunity to pick up a run or two there on 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 an error or two. That sometimes it doesn't certainly make up for not being able to hit home runs, but it uh, maybe makes that six and a half kind of attractive. So... That was a nice, easy win for you over six and a halfers there. Now, if you had the Red Sox on the run line, minus one and a half against the Mets, you led nine to one after three innings. And yeah, you ain't on call the cops. Things just got better. 12 to three after six, end up winning 12 to five. If you had the Red Sox on the run line there, hey man, you're sitting in the rocking chair, baby. And the last one was between the Dodgers and the Rockies. If you had over 10 and a half, you had eight runs in the fourth inning. Three runs in the fifth inning. He already went over in just two innings, and the game ended ten to five. Very good, very good, my friend. That was a we we had the under. We sweated we sweated the under there on Tuesday night, but we're able to get it in. Uh, we had we didn't take a play there on the Dodgers Rockies game, so we had the under in the right time. Um, all right, this is an interesting one. I know this is kind of up your wheelhouse. Let's talk about who's strapping on the golden feedback today, Scott. I'm going to let you give it to him. I'm going I'm to let you hand it to him and maybe uh, just put it around his I'm neck. Like throw an, it to him ringside. You're not going to do it like an Olympic gold medal where you just put it around ringside, his neck? Ringside, octagon side. I'll find a way to get it to All him. All right. Well, you make sure you pick up the golden feedback before you head to Vegas because we're going to find out who is today's donkey of the day. So, for this one, we're going to be talking about one of the Diaz brothers in the UFC. And no, it is not Nate Diaz. It is his older brother, long removed from competition, Nick Diaz, who is making his grand return to the UFC after about six years off. What what is he, like 60 now? uh, 62. But anyway, so Nick Diaz is out of retirement, and he is supposed to be fighting Robbie Lawler, who is a veteran, UFC legend well past his prime, and they're going to duke it out. Is he related for... to Jerry Lawler, the wrestler? That's I ser- don't believe that's so. That's a serious question. I, I don't know. You can look that up. I really don't know. I'll get right on answer it. To that. Continue. But anyway, so Nick Diaz is fighting five rounds against Robbie Lawler for some reason, even though they're both about 90 uh, in the upcoming UFC card on Saturday. And Diaz didn't really seem thrilled at the idea of fighting Lawler at all. And his main argument was Diaz thinks that he's good enough 
to be fighting Kamaru Usman for the title instead of Lawler. And his logic is because he had already beaten Lawler in the past. Do you know what year he beat Robbie Lawler in? 1947. 2004. <laughs> so his argument is, I beat this guy 11 years ago. So, it's a, no, no, sorry, not 17 sorry. years ago. 2004, yeah, 17 years ago, sorry. Uh, 17 years ago. So why am I fighting him again? Even though he hasn't appeared in an octagon since 2015, and he thinks that he deserves an immediate title shot. I there are so many flawed statements within that one interview, but that was 30 straight seconds to a minute of just a pure hot take that you'd find on the four-letter network that doesn't make any sense. Well, I think that there are people that could have kicked your ass 17 years ago that you could take them now. Probably. You know, like your, your Can they bring their walker into the room? Your day your daycare teacher, stuff like that. I think I think you could take I think Holyfield could have beaten me up seventeen years ago. I don't know about now. Oh, oh, oh man. But anyway, yeah. So So you get to so you, let's but let's let's put the little cherry on top because you're paying money to go see this fight. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it's just a situation. <laughs> I'd like where... to spend three minutes roasting it and then tell you how much I really am looking forward well, I'm to not seeing roasting it. the fight. I'm looking forward to the fight because I do think it'll be entertaining seeing two has-beens go at it. Why, why, why is that entertaining? Because both these guys are UFC legends and they like to stand in front of each other and constantly just throw shots. So defense and not exactly a priority in this fight. They're just going to keep swinging. What? So, plus the first fight they had is... A phenomenal fight. I recommend watching that. But from 17 point, years ago, yeah, did it's they? Very, it's it's very very entertaining. What do you, I highly recommend watching. What are you, that fight. you gonna you gonna send me the VHS so I can check it out? Uh, either watch that one or watch the Nick Diaz daily fight from uh, once again like 15 years ago or so. He fought Nick every Diaz, day. Very entertaining fighter. But the point is that I'm I'm rooting. I'm looking forward to the fight. The issue I have is how you have the audacity to claim that just because you beat a guy. 17 years ago fighting him again is stupid and now you deserve a title shot after not participating in about six years that's the part that's stupid i'm looking forward to the fight but i don't know what he's talking about he's insane that's what he's talking about pretty he's much in, he's insane well does he have any shot at ever having another title shot no oh, of zero. course not okay now i think he's actually going to win the fight which is my hot take i think he might i think he's going to beat lawler but we'll see I think it's going to be an entertaining fight where both guys could easily be awful. So you're going to see them go at it, but I don't know. I'm rooting for entertainment and Diaz and that whole family. If there are anything, it's entertaining. Give me the, give me the under two and a half. I'll be happy. You're afraid someone has a heart attack by round one. I'm hoping for it. <laughs> no, I'm not hoping for Ouch. a heart. I'm not hoping for a heart attack. I just think two old guys up there trading haymakers ain't going to go, ain't going to go 25 minutes. That's all I'm saying. I think you're going to see an entertaining fight. All right, fair enough. Uh, quick reminder, guys, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. So, who are you? So you've got Diaz, and what's the, what's the, what's the odds in that fight? I'm pretty sure it's basically pick them because they're both guys who you don't really want to back against anybody else, but against each other, they're kind of perfect. Any juice? Th- any juice on the under? Is it two and a half? Not three and a half. Uh, Tell me I it's three and a half. Find out what the total is there. Let's check bet. Let's check bet MGM. See if they got three and a half. Let's check all the alternative <laughs> lines here. But uh, let me check really quickly. All right. Why, do you want to go? Do you want to go with Lawler, the guy who has gotten embarrassed his last couple of times out, but at least he's been fighting, 
or the random wild card guy who hasn't appeared in six years who might be good? No, I just I I, I want to bet on one of them sucking and taking a dive. Uh, total is three and a half. Oh, pl- overs minus one eighty. Oh please, please. What am I missing, Scott? Seriously. I think it's going to be a war, so I'm looking forward to it. But what what am, what am I missing here by wanting to bet the under in this? Truth is, not much, because on one hand, you can make the argument that in their primes, they would go to over because they've been in some wars, but they're not in their primes anymore. Yeah. So Diaz could look awful and just get clocked and get his ass kicked, or maybe he shows something and he wins quickly. So, no, I think you're onto something with the under. Two geezers at Caesars, give me the under. That's a. Did you just come up with that? No. Okay, I was gonna say it's not a Caesar's, but I like it. No, it's 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 a. I I don't remember who the fight was, but it was it was probably George Foreman and somebody else. Because you know George Michael Foreman. Moore? What's that? Michael Moore. No, he was substantially older than Michael Moore. Um, I know he won the title. It it could have been like even did he fight Frazier in his second go around? Did he Jerry Quarry? No, he somebody like that. Somebody like that. Jerry Quarry. Jerry Cooney. I'm trying to remember the order of Jerry Van Dyke. I don't know. Some one of the Jerry's Jerry Mander. I know he he ended up fighting Tommy Morrison, but I I doubt that's who you're talking about. I'm not sure. Tommy Morrison was a hometown guy. So I actually went to that fight. Well, he won that fight. What's that? He won that fight. Yeah, I know. He won the title. He won the, the made up, make believe whatever title that was. Yeah. Tommy Morrison was, was the real deal for about six months. Uh, He was. And then of course he had the issues with HIV and that whole story was pretty sad. Didn't treat it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think, he, think he passed away a couple years ago. Um, been longer than that, but yeah, it's been a while. But anyway, it's been a long time. All right. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of speaking of ending on a downer note, <laughs> way, way to take that nosedive and right into the deck, Scott. You brought up Tommy Morrison. No, so I know. No, we. Well, you brought up Tommy Morrison. Well, I did because you brought up who Foreman fought. And well, you knew he was second, thirty years older than Tommy Morrison. The second go around, though, I know he beat Moore, and then he really didn't have any fights after that. He lost the title to Morrison. I think he retired. Well, maybe him. it was his second comeback. Then I don't know. If anybody out there in the comment section knows who was the two geezers at Caesars, let me know who it is. Unless I unless I dreamed it and made it up in my head, but I don't think I did. I, I'm not taking credit for that. But. Joe Lewis, 147 years old. <laughs> hey, let's find out. We really had to. We really had to think about this one because we had, we, we we had a couple of comp. We had some competition for for donkey and then for this one. But Scott, you know. I'm sure you you always uh, used to hear it on Halloween whenever you'd want to go out trick or treating and your parents would say no and you'd get mad and they say Scott I'm not mad I'm just disappointed. I was kind of hoping for the trumpet again I'm not going to lie. <laughs> just the double whammy. You knew I was going to cut that out, right? You knew that you knew, you know I was going to edit that where we didn't, we didn't really want to reference it. Mm-hmm. Fine job. Fine. Now I'm just leaving it all in. Cool. Oh man, this is going off the rails a lot for just a Thursday. Uh, I'm looking forward. I you know I'm having a good time. All right, so let's talk about. We talked about this yesterday, and of course, there's part two to the story. We we didn't mean to leave you people with a cliffhanger, but that's what we did. When last we left, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer was picking up stuff that didn't belong to him. Uh, picked up the card with all the cheat sheets, yada yada yada. Everybody knows the story by now. Of course, they plunked him, Scott. They hit him. They hit him. They brought in. They brought in Baruki to do it, which he finally found something in the, on the pitching mound that Baruki can do successfully. And here's the deal: the manager of Toronto, of course, Charlie Montoyo, they decided to do it in the what seventh inning when they were down seven runs. 
what what kind of bush league stuff is this, Scott? If you want to send a message, if you want to hit the guy, you do it the first time up with your starter like a man. That's how you do it. That's the unwritten rule. They're violating the unwritten part of the unwritten rules. Don't care for it. I think the whole thing's stupid. Now, of course, Tampa was up 7 nothing after four innings. But just for quick reference here, Kiermaier was not a pinch hitter. He wasn't a pinch fielder. He did bat several times before being hit, as you just said. Right. So he was already in the game. Nothing happened. And then they decided, you know what? We're getting killed out here. Let's make a statement. Now, the issue I have with it isn't even the fact that they did it, which I still don't agree with the third at bat, fourth at bat hitting the guy. But didn't the manager the day before say, this is no big deal, yeah. water under a bridge? Right. What kind of two-faced nonsense is this? Giving him a bit of the old okie doke there, Scott. That's what he was doing. Yeah, he gave him that comment and the three previous at-bats to give him the okie-doke, and then he hit him on the fourth one. But I don't get how you can say it's not a big deal, who cares, whatever, and then immediately plunk the guy the next day. Can you pick a stance and just stick with it? Maybe, maybe it just got away from him. Baruki? Yeah. <laughs> maybe? I doubt it. It hit it, him right center in the back. It was this that's, probably, that's probably the most accurate pitch Baruki's ever This is the only time he's hit the zone. Probably trying to hit him in the head. Ended up hitting him Probably, in the, like, but like the, the point is this whole thing. If you if you hit him in the first at bat, I wouldn't be a big fan because of the manager's comments the day before. But still, you kind of saw it coming. I said on yesterday's show I expected Kiermaier to get hit. You agreed. We thought it was just going to work itself out naturally. You can't wait until the seventh no, inning no. to hit the guy. What is this? That's that is that's that's on page nineteen of the unwritten rule book. Everybody knows it. You have to plunk them their first at bat. That's the way to send a message. Yeah, pretty much. And do you see the, was that the laziest bench clearing of all time, by the way? I think Tampa just knew we're winning the game anyway. Who cares? It was like a bunch of guys, like, like they just had to put their phones down and like, oh God, all right. That's that's on. actually the best part of every bench clearing brawl or brawl where they just stare at each other. The guys sprinting out of the bullpen. Oh yeah. Just to stand there for like 20 seconds. Yeah. Round everybody up, and they just go right back to the bullpen. I never could figure out in the days where they, they used to bring them in like in a car, or sometimes they'd have like a souped-up golf cart kind of thing. I never could figure out why they just didn't load up everybody in the car and make one trip. That's just the fun. <laughs> I'm picturing like a clown car, and you see a bunch of pitchers coming out. Here we go, boys. <laughs> There's like a grounds crew guy driving. <laughs> maybe they do a, Maybe they do one of those like Hollywood slow-motion turns where the doors open as the car spins, and they all just get out and start fighting. Can they put they put glasses on and there's an explosion in the background? Oh, of course. Absol yeah, of absolutely. Course. All right, Scott. So we've roasted the odds makers pretty well here over the last couple of days. And, you know, frankly, we could have done it again because they did it. We we got tired of, we, we've already retired the award to St. Louis, but they did it again, by the way, before we even get rolling on this. Made St. Louis the favorite, or excuse me, the underdog once again to Milwaukee. Scott, how'd it work out? Well, I believe I said on the air I thought Milwaukee would be around minus 125, minus 130. Right. That's exactly where they were. And the Cardinals won by eight runs. Oh, but we're going to give them credit today, Scott. We are going to give the oddsmakers credit. Today, the oddsmakers were not drunk, but they were kind of sober. Still the wrong sound effect. We don't, have any, we don't have any oddsmakers were sober music. We could, I thought we'd keep the bottle stuff for everything, but that works too, I guess. No, right? the odds makers were not so. They didn't break their bottles. They were sober. We've we've played the bottles with them being sober before, but whatever. Changing it up, buddy. All good. 
Fair enough. I would go back and edit that part out, but then you'd just trance all over it anyway. And doesn't doesn't matter. That's what I'm Whatever. saying. So this, th- this was very interesting. One of the higher prices we've seen on the board, Scott, as the Phillies uh, squared off against who the hell? I don't even know who the hell they were playing. Who were they? the Orioles? The Orioles, of course. Oh, how 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 did I not know that? Yeah, the Phillies were playing the Orioles. This game went off right in the neighborhood of minus three fifty. Depending on where you got it, 340, 340, 345, 350, whatever. The run line, minus 150, Scott. We're catching $2 in value there. Now, of course, the Phillies are the home team. Makes it a little harder because, obviously, they only get a limited number of at-bats. Well, it's eight. It's not a limited number. It's eight. Um, but here's what happened in this game. Phillies ended up running four to three. So your minus 342 ticket, that cashed. Your minus uh, 145 ticket, you can throw that in the trash. That's garbage at this point. Scott, did the odds makers nail this one? I, I don't know how they didn't nail it. It ended up exactly where you wanted it. I still am a little bit confused what the thought process was behind a $2 differential. But sure, you know, you got to write props to them. Keegan Aiken, dealing. Mm-hmm. Dealing. One run, five and a third. Wasn't Keegan Aiken's fault. That's the great thing about the... Uh, that's the great thing about the, uh, or excuse me, two, two, yeah, one run and five and a third. Baltimore's uh, bullpen gave up a couple. Yep, Baltimore's bullpen gave up uh, three runs, and that's really all you needed. But uh, the Baltimore offense, Scott, they uh, apparently thought they were still in a baseball game. Scored one in the sixth, one in the seventh, one in the eighth, and they kept it there within the uh, within the run line. So that was a nice job by the odds makers. They pulled that one exactly right. They made some money. All those people waking up and going, "Holy crap! Two dollars in value on the run. How do I not play that?" Yep. You're, you you fell for the banana in the tail. Congratulations, you played yourself. Yep, you absolutely did. So yeah, we had to talk about that. Okay, um, Scott, I I hate these clickbait headlines. I have to be honest with you. And we saw one on the four on the on the four on the four letter network today on their website, and it said once the Bears go to Justin Fields, they can't go back. They can't ever go back. There's no return. When was this written, by the way? Today. Okay. Today. Once they turn to Justin, it's over. It's Andy Pip. Forget about him. He ain't coming back. Scott. <laughs> Andy Pip. Who the hell? Who the hell is that? <laughs> it's Wally Pip's brother. Oh, okay. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton Pip. Does that help? Andy okay. Pip Dalton. Okay. Okay. You got me there. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. I'm sure there's. I'm sure we've got like a thousand listeners out there right now going, "Oh, okay." I thought Andy Pip became a doctor. Andy, <laughs> doctor, doctor Pip. He started a soda brand. Doctor Pipper. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> God, that's so ridiculous. It actually made me laugh. Um, so let's let's review what the uh, how did how did Justin Justin Fields played on Sunday after. Andy Dalton went out. Scott, how did it go for him? In his defense, they won the game. I guess the bad part was it was only a game because he came in because Chicago was cruising for three and a half quarters. Right. Um, he, he, he was awful. There's really no other way to put it. He had a fumble that he ended up recovering, which could have arguably been a fumble touchdown if Cincinnati's guy picked it up. You had the awful interception inside their own 20-yard line. He was just not good. There's really no other way to put it. But a quarterback rating of 4.4, Scott, a QB, QBR of 4.4. That's where 50 is average. 
It would have been zero if he didn't recover his own fumble. That's he went just to recap. He went six for thirteen for sixty yards with one pick, two sacks, and a fumble that he recovered. He was he was terrible. You can't no you, once you put a guy of that quality out there, Scott. There's no coming back. There really is no coming back. But am I shocked <laughs> that a company put out a clickbaity article? No, but I think it's stupid. I think you can make an argument that you can't go back if the guy would have been benched when healthy. Right. But if he's injured, you throw a whole wrinkle into this. Like, yes, you can easily go back to Dalton if he's healthy. Now, if you wanted to write that article last year about Justin Herbert and his performance against the Chiefs after they uh, uh, Pulp Fictioned uh, Tyrod Taylor (laughs) (laughs) right in the lung before the game started. The new guy has one great appearance. That's my point. That's my point. If you wanted to say it, if you wanted to say it after Herbert's performance against the Chiefs last year, you could do that. That makes sense. You go, holy crap, what do we got here? We got a first round draft pick. He's really good. Yeah, he is. He was going to be the number one draft pick the year before. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. But Justin Fields did not have a Herbert kind of performance. Can we agree on that? I don't know if he had a Zach Wilson performance last week. People say, well, what about his running ability? Okay, he ran 10 times for 31 yards. Wow. that's. Does that include the sacks he took or no? He fits He fits right in. Um, no. It, it doesn't. But No, that comes off of passing yards. I'm assuming he was a little bit better than Wilson in terms of QBR last week. But sure. if you're making an argument that he was maybe the same as Davis Mills last week in relief... I think you can go back to Dalton if it doesn't get any better. Once you go to Davis Mills, there's no turning back. Pretty much. But Fields is a guy who, don't get me wrong, I'm not surprised he struggled. It's very difficult for you to go into a game expecting to be the starter as opposed compared to going to a game expecting to never play. And then suddenly with 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, hey, by the way, get in there. Yeah. We're going to run – Triple Y, like, okay, it's like, what, what is happening? Like, I only know three pages of the playbook. What is going on right now? All right, quick reminder, guys, we're going to finish this up right on the other side of the break. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back after this quick message from Winners and Winers. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winners? What's Winners and Winners? Exactly. So, what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over but these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week, 
It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about Winners and Winers? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude. It's It's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them... Oh, man. That's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously. All right, everybody. Winners welcome back to the second half hour of Go there Winners and Winners Radio. Give us square. an hour, and we'll give you the winner. So, I think we can just to put a little bow on this, or I think we can freeze it. Anything that's not like stellar, they're going to go back to Dalton. Yeah, you you got to go back with the guy that's going to give you a chance to win. And you know, Fields could be a great talent. He ain't there yet. So, in, by the way, how did Dalton play against Cincinnati? As far as I'm concerned, he played pretty well. Yeah, he was he was a uh, he was nine for nine for eleven. Yeah, um, they were up double should, digits pretty much the entire game. And neither, neither one of these guys can throw down the field. This is if I'm a Bears fan. If I'm Allen Robinson... Uh, if I'm Allen Robinson, I would have retired about a year and a half ago. Dude, listen to this. Justin Fields averaged 4.6 yards per attempt. Okay. A- Andy Dalton, 5.1. What are we doing? What? Throw right, that's, that's further than what Cam Newton would have thrown. Throw the ball down the field. You know, I saw a bad take today by somebody on Twitter who said, you know, with all the talk, you know, they're trying to still trying to get Deshaun Watson to Miami. He said, why not take, uh, why not, why not take Cam? Because like, one of them's good and the other one's not. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, well, first of all, are we sure that Cam is even better than um, oh the kid the, the kid the kid that's starting for for Miami? Tua no. Brissett? Who are we talking Br- about? Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, the kid, the guy from the the Colts. I thought he was. If I had to pick between I, the two, I'm taking Brissett. You're right. That's that's Newton's my, done. That's my He's point. Done. Yeah, that's you, the, can, you can talk about should he belong in a roster? Maybe in Canada. Like, no, he, he can't throw the ball. I no. don't think Ben Roethlisberger should be on a roster either. Yeah, there's he a hot, can't throw. There's a hot take. Make sure, uh, Yinzers, if you want to talk to Scott Reichel, make sure you direct that to hey, at Reichel Radio. To me. Tell me you're thrilled with how Big Ben's been playing and after everything we've said over the couple of months leading up to the NFL season. Right. He's if, even worse than we thought he was going to be. And we thought he was going to be bad. And he's been even we worse. He thought he was going to be bad. We thought he'd be like 26 out of 32. He might actually be like 31 out of 32. He's, he's, he's like one of those things where you're looking at the list, he's like 35. Like, how is that it's even so, possible? <laughs> it's so terrible, but I can't look away. I know. I know. I've, I feel bad for Pittsburgh Nation because that's such a great fan base, man. The Yinzers, they love two things. Mm-hmm. They love Permante Brothers, and they love their Steelers. I think you're going to say the same head coach for 40 years, but that's so. Well, they, they had three coaches in the last 200 years? Something like that. Is it just two? Did, did, no, they had three because you had uh Oh, Cower. Cower. I forgot about Cower. Yeah, of course. They have three coaches. All of them are going to be Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. All right, so, so we promised, Scott, we we're going to take a look at the um, MLB futures for the awards, and some of these are pretty much over. My question is, are they all over? Or is there some wiggle room? Now, let's go through them here. Let's talk about MVP, of course, the, the most locked one of the year. That's uh, Otani in the American League. Minus 3500 right now, Scott, so for every... Every $35 you spent, you get one cool dollar in return. First of all, it's an outrageous price. Is it the easiest money you're ever going to make? 
See, you're forgetting that if you win the dollar and then you buy a scratch off and you win the lottery, then you turn $35 into like $120 million. Boom. Roasted. So, you know, just like that, quick, quick math right there. But anyway, when you say easiest money, yes, but you'd have to take out a loan for about $35 million for that to be worth your while. No, like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what value you can get from that unless you're willing to tie down 70k to win like 2k like i don't really know who has the bankroll for that i think it is relatively free i know that guerrero jr had a good run there for a week where people talked about it right i think they just wanted to talk about it because it was so over for so long that they tried to make a story out of it but otani who was supposed to be done with pitching pitched again eight innings two runs it's over like just shut it down. Well, yeah. What was uh, that? Because we, it kind of made us look stupid. Because we came on the air and we were talking about that. That how because yeah, everybody said he's not pitching anymore. Well, including so including his manager. I mean, it wasn't like just people. My mom told me he wasn't pitching anymore. No, it was real people. It was his manager that said he was. They're shutting him down for the rest of the season. Correct. Now, if you want to talk about free money, there is a one price that I do see currently available, reasonable. So nobody, no, nobody else has a shot in this race, right? Just no, to, it's over. Okay, all right, go ahead. It's Otani and nobody else. Okay. You can make an argument for Guerrero Jr. if you're desperate, but that's basically it. Okay. Now, the where I think the real money lies for an award race is the favorite in the AL Rookie of the Year race. Randy Arozarena is about minus 170. Right. I actually got a piece of this at minus 150. Who is he going to lose to? Yeah. Is it, is, is it you like your, you like Mount Castle? Mount Castle is plus 370. Everybody else is 750 or better. I know that Garcia was in the running for a little bit there, but uh, not not Adelis. I mean, Luis for Houston, but I don't think anyone's actually watched him pitch all year long. He's about the number three starter in the rotation. Mountcastle, similar story. He's had a good season. He's on Baltimore. Who's watching Baltimore play baseball? Only if The you're... thing is a Rosarena. These are, these are media awards. You got to keep that in mind. Tampa, of course, has no real following, but they remember the World Series and playoff run from a Rosarena last year. He's a household name. People know who he is. For some reason, he still counts as a rookie. I was going to say, he's been, in, he's, he's been in the majors about nine years, hasn't he? Uh, no, he just played in every playoff game last year. Oh, I know. Because <laughs> he, he was phenomenal. But I got down at a minus 150. I don't know who he's supposed to lose to because he's having a very good year on a playoff team that's playing for the best record in the American League right now. Is He, he checks every box in terms of narrative. Every single box. Yeah, he's, is he having a great? He's hitting two sixty eight, nineteen homers, sixty five RBIs. But he's on a winning team. Slugging set, slugging them play. OPS seven ninety nine, OPS plus one twenty six. What, what's Mountcastle's numbers though? I know Mountcastle has some good offensive numbers, but don't you think that it's kind of similar to what we talk about for the Heisman, where if people don't actually watch the player play, did it really happen? Mountcastle could have forty home runs. I think maybe 10 people have seen them all. Well, he's got 30, so. He's got 30. Let's just say that non-Orioles fans have seen what? 10 of them? Yeah, Five I would. Five of them? I agree. No, and that's the thing. He's hitting, so he's hitting eight points less than a Rosarena. He's got 11 more home runs, and he's got 18 more RBIs. He's he also hit, can't field. Yeah, he's so a, you throw a Rosarena, he's a decent outfielder. He has I know a, fielding factors in. It does. It does the OPS plus, and uh, he's got a higher OPS, but a Rosarena has a higher OPS plus because the fielding is factored in. Yeah, so. so that doesn't surprise me. But if you want to talk about who should is, win is the rookie award, of the year a fielding award now? I'm just saying if you're including it all purpose, which people are trying to include for other awards, then that has to factor in. But people, 
I don't think most people have watched Mountcastle play a game this year. Now, I think he's pretty good. Yeah. I like him as a player. He's but fine. A Rosarena is just a much more household name. And for narrative media awards, which is basically every MLB award there is, how is he supposed to lose? Yeah, I, I don't see it. I agree. No, that's and there's nothing. Mountcastle isn't going on a tear over the last 12 games. No, he's been fine. He's not putting up Guerrero numbers in September. No. No, I, that would, that's what it would take to beach at this point. It would take, I don't know, they got, they got 13 games left, 12 or 13 games. It would, it would take, you know, eight to, eight to 10 home runs, something ridiculous that, like that's that. That's also what I factor in because some people want to make the argument for playoff stuff for the MVP award no. and say, well, Guerrero Jr. is leading his team to the playoffs potentially. Otani teams is not making it, obviously. So that should factor in. Oh, that's My been asked to answer with Mike Trout. I think it's a bad argument, but if you want to make that argument, then why wouldn't that also apply to rookie of the year? Rosarain is leading his team as arguably the best player on the best team in the American League. Yeah, well, let's and let's be honest, ain't a lot of people watching Tampa play either. No, correct. There's more than they're watching Baltimore play, but but people are aware of Tampa's success and they know who Rosarain is from last year. So I think that does carry over. I agree. Oh, completely agree. Uh, rookie of the year in the NL, Jonathan India, minus 1,200. That's done. Trevor that down. Trevor Rogers having a great season, but it doesn't matter. He got injured. He missed too much time. Yep, yep. Um, all right, so what else we got here? So we've got... Uh, I mean, that, that 175 on a Rosarain, I still think should be like minus 350. I, I just don't know how he's supposed to lose that award. We've got the uh, NL MVP, Bryce Harper, all of a sudden is your prohibitive favorite. Having a pretty nice season, Scott. Hitting 313, 33 homers. Only 80 RBIs, though, but slugging an OPS 1050. 1050. Um, I like I'd t- vote for him. I like Tatis. Now, now there's a question. Does, does his defense count against him at all? I think you can make an argument it should because he switched positions and he's still terrible with fielding. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's... That's certainly true. Now, Tatis... But that also goes back to the playoff argument that we just kind of dismissed a second ago. But you're the best player on a team that's part of the biggest collapse in the entire league. Am I supposed to just hand you the most valuable player award when your team's imploding around you? The stink of Padres Brown completely envelops you, sir. You're yelling at teammates with Machado, and you're doing your own thing, and... The Phillies might not make the playoffs. What was that? What, what was that about? Was was he just yelling at Machado to stop sucking so much? No, I'm I'm 100 on Machado's side on that one. Okay. So T- Tatis argued about balls and strikes because he got uh str- he got struck out. No, I know. And just... they ended up the manager got tossed and Tatis was still yelling about it and Machado basically said, "Shut up! This isn't about you. It's about the team." So I'm actually with Machado on that one. All I right. thought that he handled that well, but. I don't know. You know, when, when, that, when Manny Machado is your clear-headed voice of reason, you may yeah, have a problem on your team. You've gone off the deep end on that point. Yes. But still, I'm going to go with Harper. Even if the Phillies don't make the playoffs, he's by far been their main driving force since Hoskins has been out for about two months. Yeah, and I think that was a bad look. You, you said this is, in a lot of ways, a popularity contest with the media. I don't think the media loves Tatis anyway, and I think that was a bad look for him the other night in the dugout. It ain't going to help him, and he put it that way. I think the media doesn't really mind Tatis because the fans love him. He's on the cover of MLB The Show. He's a, he's like the face of baseball now. So I do think the media might like him. I don't know about how he does in interviews, but Harper is a guy. Like he's been around the block a few times. Maybe some people don't like Tatis with his unwritten rule breaking and stuff like that and how he tries to play the game with a little bit too much fun, which might rub off on 
some of the older voters, but I'll give Harper props though. He's been really carrying a team that has an offense that people think is very good. It's really not that good on paper. No, no, it's, it's really not. Um, all right. So let's talk about the one that is kind of interesting. I'm curious to get your thoughts and see if you think this one's been decided. It's the award that nobody wants to win, Scott. It's the American League Cy Young Award winner. Robbie Ray, our boy, is the prohibitive favorite here at minus 190. Garrett Cole, I don't understand the odds anymore. Garrett Cole plus 165. Everybody else is pretty much a scratch off. Lance Lynn, 1300, and then it gets uh, it silly from there on out. So I need you to, I need you to explain something to me. All right, I'd be happy to. So Robbie Ray uh-huh. and Garrett Cole were both around minus 110. Right. Going into their last starts. Yep. Right. Cole went five innings, gave up seven runs against Cleveland. Yep. Right. So Toronto, of course, ended up getting a bit of an advantage there in the Cy Young race because Ray uh, was supposed to pitch afterwards and Cole blew up. Then Ray went about four and a third, gave up three or four runs in his next start. And yet Ray's minus 190. Am I missing something? Because they were just minus 110 and both of them stunk in their last start. I think Cole stunk more. That's your only answer. Correct. But and, minus and people re- realize there's only two more starts left. I get it. I'm just saying both of them were not very good. 190 sounds a little bit high to me. Well, if you're going to ask closer to 150. If you're going to ask rhetorical questions, you need to let me know they're rhetorical so I don't answer them. Well, you can answer you it. You said I have a question just, for you and I already know the answer. That's that's what you need to preface that by. I think it should be around minus 150. What okay. Well, okay. But it's, Do you think do you think 190 sounds high though? It, it does. Is can Cole beat him? If if Cole if Cole outpitches in the next two starts, I might Colby? say three. If the Yankees are desperate, they get might out bring of him in on three days rest. Okay, All they right. really might if they need it. Is that does that help? If he guts it, if he guts it out and goes out there and does the does a Kurt Schilling thing and without the bleeding, has that performance on three days rest? Does I that... think it, I think it would. Now I mentioned that there was a day off, but before the Yankee series against Toronto. They could hypothetically move Cole up a spot to pitch the series finale against Toronto, yep. which I think they should do okay. because they're competing with Toronto for the second wildcard spot right now. Robbie Ray against Garrett Cole in the season? Potentially. Yeah. And I think whoever wins that matchup would end up winning the award. Wouldn't you agree? I think there's a little value on Garrett Cole right here. I think it's, yeah, I think it's worth, I I think worth, worth the snippet plus 165. And yeah, we got to get, we got to get to it here, but sure is a lock in the national league. Yep, wrap it up. Shouldn't be, but he is. Pitches again against Colorado tomorrow. We'll see how that goes, but damn sure are so good. It should be it should be Corbin Burns, by the way. Leads 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 the majors in war as a pitcher. Burns did miss some time though during the season. Again, leads the majors in war, no matter regardless of how much time he missed. Doesn't matter. Yeah, he's he's great. I'd I'd vote for Scherzer, but he's great. Did I mention Corbin Burns? <laughs> Yes, right. uh, I would vote for him second place. All right, quick reminder, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Scott, we have a couple of football games tonight. You know what? Let's start with the NFL. I, I Let's start with the NFL. You know, normally we'd start with the college game, finish up with the big boys here, but I'm not feeling it. Um, we talked about this game a little bit at the top. It's going to be the uh, Houston Texans as they host one of the most surprising teams in the NFL. Scott, the most surprising team this year so far? As of right now, you can make the case. I think it's either them or Denver, but Denver's had an easy schedule. All right. So, yeah, I'll go with Carolina. Okay. So, 
Houston has a quarterback problem, Scott. Houston, we have a problem, and it's that quarterback. Well, that is the problem. They don't really have a quarterback. So, first of all, Deshaun Watson just not playing, just decided he didn't want to play, didn't want to be active. paying him. He's just not not playing. Giving him his $10 million, so that's cool. Anywho, uh, we've got Davis Mills. Scott, a guy that you and I really liked coming out of college. No, we didn't. Um, Like fading him in college. We we talked about him yesterday. He didn't look great at uh, Stanford, and he didn't look great in the preseason. Didn't look great in his game last week, so now he gets to start. Is that going to make a difference now that he has a full week to uh, to prepare? Well, he didn't have a full week, he had three days. So, I think I think it's going to help, but I think he's going up against a very, very underrated defense that's going to make his life miserable for four quarters. Ten sacks the Panthers have had so far. Scott, how many did they get against young Davis Mills? Four. Put another four or five on the board. I think that's you. I think that's entirely possible. Oh, absolutely. Especially if they end up opening up a lead and they have to throw the ball. It got could the, get ugly. Got the spread at eight. Got the total at forty three. Got a premium on the total myself, Scott. What do you think about that side? Or what do you and what do you think I, about the total? I if you take Houston, I give I commend you on your bravery. What I can't I can't do it. Is there anything you could look at, anything you can lean on and say this is why you should bet on Houston? Because you know, you can, only, usually you can make a case either way. The only case I'd be able to make is that Houston at home can maybe get a spark from the crowd. Okay. And you're hoping Darnold might revert back into being turnover prone. But Houston's defense going into the year, we knew it was going to be one of the worst in the league. This team was one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to have the worst record in the league. So nobody thinks this team is any good. And Carolina is a team that can use Darnold as a game manager. And I'm not sure if Houston's going to score 10 points in this game. So yeah. I'm going to go with Carolina. I think they'll take their foot off the gas, but I think they'll be up by enough to do so and win by at least 10. I also like the under. Okay. If I can only see one team scoring, then I don't know how I'm supposed to not like the under in this spot. See, yeah, here's the problem that I have with the Texans. Obviously, they're going to want to come out and run the ball. They're, they want to avoid that pass rush. They want to put. They want to avoid having Davis Mills chase the chains all night long. How's Pro- the yards per carry? It's, they're terrible. They're terrible. If you take... If you take Tyrod Taylor's rushing out of the equation, by the way, with him, they're 3.5 yards per carry. Without him, they're uh, just barely over three. They're, I think they've I think they've had like maybe 24 carries for 73 yards, something, something like that. Put this into perspective, I picked up Carolina's defense for my fantasy team this week. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty for Houston. I, I, don't, I don't think so because it, you have a team that's going to want to run the ball, and I don't think they can do it. The, and I don't know if they can throw the ball either. No, well, we I think we have a lot more knowledge about where they can throw the ball, and they can. And I, I don't know is is Danny Amendola their number one receiver, or would you call it Cooks? It would, it would easily be Brandon Cooks. Okay, but easily, Cooks has been okay. okay, he's been okay this year. You can make an argument on most teams, he'd be a two. Yeah, a mediocre two. So you're you're down to four wide receivers. You've got Cooks, Conley, Anthony Miller, and Andre Roberts. So are you excited about that? And maybe Farrell Brown at tight end. Pass. Yeah. Who, who are these guys? Seriously. I mean, I know who they are, but still not good. Not good. So, I, I, it's going to be very public because I don't know who's going to take Houston, but yeah, I, I can't do it. We've got it. I've got it at eight right now. Let me make sure that's still. I see a juice seven and a half offshore. You see, uh, yep. Yep. I still see a juice seven and a half. So it hasn't really adjusted much during the day. Guys, if you like that eight, get that eight before it goes to nine. Cause I, I, I just, I'm with you, Scott. I, I see the public hammering the Panthers. I think the public's going to be right. You know, I know, I mean, I know Thursday night, home dog, Thursday night, home dog, no travel, short I mean, I'm, week. I'm home. looking at like 25, 18 for like a actual total, the team total. Mm-hmm. I would just take Houston under. 
I don't see Houston scoring more than 13 points. Yeah, that's solid too. You can you can play it that way. Absolutely. All right. So uh, the other game, and this is going to be, we talked about this a little bit on paper anyway, should be a much more intriguing game. Of course, this will probably be a blowout. The NFL game will be an all-time classic. But, uh, but this is going to be the Marshall Thundering Herd going up against the Appalachian State. Appalachian State? I, I heard somebody say Appalachian State today. It sounded weird. Appalachian State Mountaineers. It's going to be there in Boone, North Carolina. Beautiful part of the country, by the way. Especially if you like to ski. Some good some good skiing up there. Anywho, Marshall is currently a uh, seven across the board. Scott, seven-point dog. Opened up at seven and a half. A little bit of thundering herd money has come in. Game opened up at 57, and there's been some overcash coming in. It's now pretty much 59, 59 and a half uh, across the board. So, how do you see this one going down? So, I like the over, just because I don't think either defense are really that good. Okay. As for the actual side, I'm going to take the points with the dog here. I think that Appalachian's a pretty good team. They did lose to Miami. The game was close, but I also don't know how good Miami is. The answer is they're definitely not very good, but I don't know if they're god-awful. So, it's impressive they kept that game close. I'm not sure if it's impressive as people want to make it out to be. But Marshall should arguably be undefeated. They blew a massive lead against East Carolina last week Mm -hmm. in a game that they easily should have won. So I guess the question I'm asking is if Marshall ended up not blowing that game and they ended up holding on, didn't throw an interception in the red zone in the final 10 seconds, would the spread be seven? No. Uh, Six. Six. It wouldn't be a huge. I think think it would be lower. I think it would be around like four and a half or five. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. My opinion. I just think public perception on the undefeated team would cause the line to dip. So well, this maybe is... that's just pure speculation by me. I think seven's too many points. I think this Marshall team isn't great by any means. I think they're fine. I'm not a big Bryce guy. I think that he'll look better in the Sun Belt in comparison to Clemson and Duke. But I'll go with Marshall plus the points. I think this game will be entertaining, but I really don't see it being a one-sided affair. By the way, Marshall, uh, pretty good, pretty good road team. They're eight and two against the spread. Uh, last ten as a road dog, eleven five. Last sixteen as underdog overall. I don't want the money line, but I think seven's a bit too much. I'll tell you what. Th- to me, this comes down because both of these kids throw interceptions. Yeah, it's Wells and and Bryce, and which one's going to be more tolerable? Well, the pro- yeah, the question is where are they going to throw their interceptions? Because they're both going to throw at least one stupid interception. So, what end of the field is it going to come in? That could decide this game. You know, last last week they went down. Marshall Marshall fumbled once going into the end zone and threw an, and threw an interception in the end zone. So if you if that happens, they could be in trouble. If they throw the interception, you know, at, at midfield or something, they may they may be able to get away with it. So, but it is it's going to come down as whose mistakes are less bad. No, yeah, I, was, I think the word you're looking for is costly. Less costly, sure. Okay, let's go with that. I'll I'll, I'll live with that. So yeah, that's that's the thing. I I've got, and I have to admit, I first glance I liked App State here. I thought they were I thought they were the better team, but the more I started looking into this game, I watched a lot of game film uh, yes, yesterday, and I think I've come around to the uh, to the thundering herd. I still think App's going to win, but I think this will be a one possession game late. I don't hate a money line play there. Yeah, no. I don't hate it. I think App's going to win in Boone because they usually win in Boone, but I think this game is a nail biter. Okay, good enough. Uh, looking forward to it. Should be should be some fun, and we do have some baseball games. Of course, we don't uh, we don't normally do our daytime baseball games simply because of uh, um, the uh, fact that 
it airs in a lot of parts of the country um, a little bit too late to get most of the, the early games in. There's just the the one I want to talk about, Scott. Wainwright and Hauser, we're getting plus money on St. Louis again. Anyway, not to play that that Wainwright. Nope. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's a that's a two ten Eastern game. Wainwright, uh, I don't know, won nine in a row or something ridiculous. He's been just unbeatable, unbeatable over the last two months of the season. Same thing with St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. St. Louis now won eleven straight. Sure, sign me up. Sign me up right there. Okay, so that's the one I wanted to talk about. Patrick Corbin, our old buddy, going up against Castillo. Uh, is that going to be a seven-inning game? Is that, was that one rained out? That was rained out, wasn't uh, it? No, that it's a nine-inning. I thought Castillo was supposed to go yesterday. They, they... He was supposed to go yesterday, but they weren't playing the Nationals. Oh, okay. Okay, so they, they, they saved They're him. making for, it up for a later date. They saved him up for this start, I guess, huh? Yeah. Any value on Washington here? You're catching Cincinnati about minus 200. You can make a case because Washington's been hitting the ball well lately, but Castillo's been good. Having said that, the Reds are a pain in the ass. So, sure, I'll go with the Nationals. Uh, oh, boy. Nationals full game and pray the Reds' bullpen's worse than the Nationals' bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. Corbin's so bad. I think that's what it comes down to, right? You can go for a team total and hope Castillo stinks, but I can't trust the Reds. Okay. All right, fair enough. And that, that makes sense. All right. All right, buddy. Oh, well, yes? I like Toronto briefly at minus 145. You like Toronto briefly? Uh, Yeah, just okay. to go through it very, very quickly. Okay. I like Toronto minus 145. Okay. Anything else? No. All right, very good. All right, Scott. Well, it is that time. It is, uh, it is the Thursday edition. We've put our heads together. We've come up with our best play of the day. If you had to put all your chips in the middle and make just one bet, this is the one that we would recommend, kids. Once again... Put on that straw hat, strap up them overalls, climb on your John Deere, kids, and fire that baby up, because it's time for Bet the Farm! <laughs> Scott had a Bet the Farm play yesterday. How'd we end up? We had the Nationals team total over three and a half, and they scored seven runs. Woohoo! <laughs> That's some fine picking right there, boy. That's what I'm saying to you. What do we got fired up for today, my friend? So we're going to stick with baseball, looking at the Rangers and Orioles, and we like the over nine at minus 120 on DraftKings. Otto is pitching for Texas. Last two starts, six and two-thirds innings pitched, 20.25 ERA. Then you have Lother pitching for Baltimore at home this season, 15 and one-third innings pitched, 10.57 ERA. So both starters are absolutely atrocious in this spot. Lothers also pitched less than three and two thirds in seven of his eight appearances this season, which is important because Baltimore has a 5.68 bullpen ERA, which is the worst in the entire league. Five nine, five nine six well, at home, by the way. Yeah, even if Lother pitches well, he's not going to pitch long, and Baltimore's bullpen is easily the worst in baseball. And Texas is terrible on the road. We all know that. However, Texas pitching-wise on the road has been even worse as the Rangers are allowing 5.33 runs per road game, which is the third most in the league. Total of nine with these two starting pitchers. We got to take the over on that one. All right. That's going to do it for the show. That's going to do it for Bet the Farm. And that's going to do it for Scott and I. We appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe and rate and all that stuff that you do wherever you download us. We appreciate the effort. We really do. 
Thanks again for checking us out. For myself and for Scott Reichel, you guys have a great day. Good luck on all your plays, and we'll see you tomorrow on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.